Wow, Janet Lee, you strummed the harp of the Holy Spirit today. Hey, and let me tell you a story about you, Janet Lee. I was on the phone yesterday, and I was talking to a fellow, and you were playing, practicing these songs that you played today, and this fellow said, who, who, is, who is playing that mel melody, that music? And I said, well, that's Janet. He said, oh, he says, that just stirs my spirit. He said, that just, that just touches me. So see, that word is going out in that music. God bless you. And hello out there, everybody. And guess what? This is part 18 of the astounding Bible revelations of the universe. And this is Sunday, October 28th, 2012. And today we are into the utter of the utter. We are going to be teaching on a subject incorporated into this whole universal revelation called the Invisible Bible. The Invisible Bible. Ah, what a, what a rhapsody is playing out there. What a teeter-totter of time is going on. A giant scale of the ages swinging and tottering up and down between the two kinds of blindness put on humans. And the Bible scriptures tell us the story. And today we begin to reveal the invisible Bible. God tells us that we can discover things in the future, as I read you the scripture last week in 46 uh, chapter of Isaiah, ninth verse, remember the former things of old. How do you do that? How do you just suddenly remember something that you don't remember? We can think of many cases presented in the Bible where people just did not remember things. Like in the 14th chapter of, of the Gospel of John, when that disciple said, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm going away, and the way I go and where I go, you know. And he said, we don't know. What are you talking about? Jesus said, you know, the day will come when I will send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will, will restore your memory. It will bring you into the remembrance of all things. Oh, we are at the precipice of the greatest age of spiritual knowledge that has ever been unraveled, unraveled and unfolded from the depths of the hidden reality. And if this gospel is lost, Paul says, it is lost to those who themselves are lost. So ladies and gentlemen, we want to praise our God and we want to thank him. In Isaiah 45, 21, Tell ye, and bring them near. Let them take counsel together, who hath declared this from ancient time, who hath told it from this time. Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. And as I read to you from before, in verse 10 of 46, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not, yet done, things that haven't even happened, things that haven't even occurred, will be told by knowing the past former ancient things. 
saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Well, I want to briefly go over a few things that we have covered. And I want you to consider this program today, this teaching today, like an extension of the School of the Prophets, like a example of a School of the Prophets correspondence Peace Country Bible College episode or lecture or teaching or presentation by the professor called the manifester. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be thinking because one of these days we will have our Bible college opened and you'll be able to listen to messages and then you will be able to get the final links presented within this course. And in the end, you'll be able to get a, a degree and you will be taught both in a literal, literal and spiritual way that will change your lattice, that will make a new person out of you, a new creature. The day is coming. God, give us the strength and give us the time and give us the momentum. And blessed be the name of the Holy Lord God. We'll be coming around the corner. We'll be coming around the mountain to put it into an old song label when we come. <laughs> blessed be God. Okay. So, <clears throat> There is a thing that we sometimes use as a term, and it's called diving. Now, you know you dive into water, or you dive into a lake, or you dive into a swimming pool. But uh, there is a, another kind of spiritual diving, and it's diving head first, because that head has got to have in its brain and in its mind, a perception of understanding that is not common to the flesh, that is not sometimes even compatible to the flesh. When we say flesh, we're speaking of the mortal aspect of we humans. And this diving you know, is into our innermost being from which Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. For your spirit can read the invisible word. It can read that word in the Bible because it is aligned to the kingdom of God, which is within your spirit, which is within every spirit of every person who lives on this planet called earth. As it says in the book of the Gospel of John, that this light comes upon every human being who is born. There's no exception. We talked about the ancient times 
Proverbs 22:28, Remove not the ancient landmarks. We talked about Isaiah 44, 7, how that God has appointed ancient people. Ancient people of the past being reappointed by regenerating them and bringing them back upon the earth to minister. Sometimes people have entertained ancients unawares, ancients who were messengers, angels of God, clothed with the fiber of the human body, acting human, looking human, and yet within them was an oracle upon oracle of revelation that God had placed there. So often people were looking for a certain stature, a certain collegian of, of expression that was exponential of those who were graduated from the swaying blocks of human anatomy, anatomy that was co cooperated with political sway, cooperated with components of first getting ahead and not first seeking the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. There are ancient high places of the mind, as it mentions in Ezekiel 62.2. It is those ancient high places of the mind that one day there will be a school of the prophets. They won't have to live in one city or town or village or nation. They will be able to collectively mentalize and spiritualize from their own places of location all over the world and yet dive into that same river of living waters and experience the power of God's Holy Spirit in a revelating way beyond anything that the world has ever experienced before. And Daniel describes it as the Ancient of Days coming down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, and this burning wheel of fire going out before him, and thousands times thousands, ten thousands times ten thousands, myriads worshiping him, glorifying him. What a day. Day of the Ancients. We talked about the face of Moses, that there was a message in there that the people of Israel missed because of their sins, because of their way of reckoning, because of their way of self-justification of their lust, because of their limiting themselves and with their own mouths saying, let someone else go before God. We're afraid to go before God. We, we, we're, not, we're just not capable of doing it. We, we, we're afraid to do it. And they chose to, to take the path of the lesser. They chose to take the path of separation 
from the greatest depth revelations of God. And they therefore were left in that position of not being able to see the message that was shining on the face of Moses because of the veil. But God speaks. And David, as I read you last week, said, O Lord, hide not thy face from me. Psalms 27, 9. The face of the Lord can be a par for good or for judgment. Psalms 34, 16. The face of the Lord is against them. <clears throat> Psalms 83. O God, cause your face to shine. Psalms 102, 2. Hide not your face from me. Even the angels, when they are doing their ministry, Isaiah 6, 2, with twain covered their faces. Because all of the angel revelation could not be revealed even to those who had experienced a, a, a sighting or, or a brief uh, a, a occasion of a ministry of an angel. They were still not ready to, to know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And the angels with twain had to cover their face. Twain is double. There's a revelation about this double thing. The Bible talks about the face shining like the sun. And the Bible talks in Matthew 18.10 about the guardian angels who always behold the face of my Father. Yes, there is lost time. But God is bringing us into a window through which we can receive the face of God's shining message of enlightenment. The glass darkly is going into the old-fashioned column. And God is bringing us into the revelation of the universal awakening. We know there are people out there with frayed ends of, of sanity working in their minds. We know that there are ministries out there that are the definition of uncertainty. <clears throat> we know that humans have strained to refactorize the Bible, to set it up to be unchallengeable, but instead, it has only, only caused there to be more questions. Only to have these highfalutin refactorizers say, those questions are not admissible. There have been redundant veritables and anti-antichrist And God is now saying it is time. It is time to bring forth <clears throat> the word of God. Turn with me to Isaiah 25. This powerful thing about what God is going to do is revealed in this scripture. I want to read it this week. Reiterate these things that need to be reiterated. <clears throat> Praise God. Okay, Isaiah 25, verse 6. 
And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things. Now, some of you people may not have known that my family was prophesied about. A feast of wine on the lees, L-E-E-S, my last name, Jerry O. Lee. Now, that, of course, is only meant to be a little bit frivolous. But we have to throw in a few things for amusing ourselves. Verse 7, And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering. This is beautiful. This is sensational. This is dynamic. This is something like from outer space and yet something from deep inner space. He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all A-L-L people, the veil that is spread over all nations. In verse 8, he basically says it's a kind of death, but that this death is going to be swallowed up in a new kind of victory such as the world has never experienced. And the Lord has spoken that. Blessed be the name of God. What an awesome word the word of God is. What a beautiful, beautiful, awesome God that we serve. Now, <clears throat> I'll be reading the scripture again later, but I want to, I want to read it again right now so if you turn to second uh, corinthians this is sort of to get us set up on this revelation of the invisible bible second corinthians 3:14 and here's what it says let's start with verse verse uh, 12 and we're in uh, chapter 3 of second corinthians <clears throat> Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. The revelation of the Omega was held back from those people. They were not able to to have a fulfillment of the word, a finalization of the insight, because they chose by their lust to be separated from that deep spiritual connection to God. And in verse 14 it says, But their minds were blinded, for until this day, remaineth the same veil untaken away. Now, this is the New Testament. This is New Testament times. Paul is here speaking. Not that all the New Testament had been finished as a book, but it was in the Testament times, and, and the church was aware of a lot of these, these uh, writings of, of the apostles. Now, let's get this again. Verse 14, but their minds were blinded, for until this day, 
remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Now, are we going extreme and radical when we talk about the veil that is over the reading of the Word? What is the Word? Well, the Old Testament's part of the Bible, isn't it? And if at that time that was the only Bible they had because the rest of it was not yet put in a book, which was the case in the time of Paul, then it nevertheless shows that that, that idiosyncrasy, that dynamic election of feeble mentality based on the lust of sin was an inhibitor and was keeping the people from being able to see. They were in a state of mental blindness. And it was still evident and still happening after all those generations from Moses all the way to the day of the generation of, of Paul in his time, people were still inhibited by that veil. They could still not understand the Bible. They would read it. They would reiterate it, they would quote it, they would minister it, but they would not be able to really see it because the real truth, the real word, the really deep, deep, deep word, they were blinded to because it was to them an invisible Bible that they could not see. They could not see it because of the veil. They were looking through the glass darkly and only receiving a particle of the truth. Wow. Now there's so many other scriptures in addition to these, but there's just <laughs> too many to read and try to get this message in that is so important for me to get in. I will remind you of the teachings that I did about the cherubim over the, over the mercy seat, how that there were two of them, and that when you take the revelation of the word end or ends, it shows a special separation of those two angels, and it shows them being of the representation of two different types, although they were cherubims, Remember, Lucifer was a cherubim, and his angels, which were the co-owned angels, fell with him. Uh, chapter 12 of Revelations, when they were cast out of the heavens. So, we have this revelation, and if you never heard this teaching, go back and listen to these teachings, because you will not totally uh, understand the the. The, the teaching I'm doing today without all of the foundation that I've given. But we are always going to be dealing with the curse and the blessing, these two extremities, the bad and the good, the angel on the left shoulder, the angel on the right shoulder. And which of these angels will you give charge for delivering to you the inter sanctum? Well, 
Well, Lucifer thought maybe Jesus could be tempted by showing him all of the world and, and, and the world in which he was in charge of and offering it to Jesus. If he would just be obedient to that scripture about giving his angels charge. And Jesus said, Nah, you're not the kind of angel that the scripture's talking about. Get behind me, Satan. We know who you are. Yes, there is the holy. And there is the most holy. But I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. Those, those situations out there that are in the religious mode, mold, they have a lot of confusion many times in them. But the Bible says in the book of Philippians, even though the Christ of contention is preached, nevertheless Jesus is preached. So we're not preaching or teaching to do away with the church system or the tabernacle system or the religions of the world system. But we will tell you that when you're out there walking on the range in the farmlands of reality where the beast traverse across the lands, it is easy to step into a pile of crap. I can call, also call that shita, which is a nice way of saying it. Sha it. Now, if that turns your stomach and causes you to vomit, I advise you to go visit the hospital because you are a sick person. Someone said, oh, that's pretty tough. Not near as tough as I might get before this whole meeting is over here today. I come here to heal you. Sometimes to heal somebody, you have to cut them open. Take out the pus. And we're here today to relieve you if you need to be relieved of the pus or you might even have a tapeworm in you. And we'll kill that thing because it's not going to do anything but work on every good vitamin in your body and steal it for himself and grow longer and longer. You just hope to pray that that tapeworm doesn't ever decide to get out of order and try to make it up to your brain. Wow. And so there were all these teachings we did about the, the double that is in the Bible. The 11 curtains of the tabernacle divided into five and six, and the sixth curtain uh, being uh, uh, doubled to go over the forefront of the tabernacle. And, and you know, every one of these... Um, inserts of scripture that I'm giving you, I could, I could do a teaching, a, a big teaching on. If we were in the correspondence uh, 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 Bible college uh, uh, part of teaching, the School of the Prophets, uh, I, I could take each one of these and, and you know, do a you know, wonderful revelation on it. Also, the breastplate, four square, was doubled. And the two ends of the breastplate you know, had two rings on each end. They were doubled. And so God is willing to show, the Bible says in Job eleven six, 
He's willing to show the secrets of wisdom that they are double to that which is. Can you believe that scripture that's in the Bible? Job 11.6, God is willing to show the secrets of wisdom that they are double to that which is. There's something missing out there, ladies and gentlemen. The knowledge of the Lord that's going to cover the earth and the, and the seas and the world has already done that, as it says in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. But it's in, a, in, it's in an invisible state. So that things which appear are not made of things that are physical, they're made of things invisible. But the invisibility of spirituality has not created everything that could be created. <clears throat> There's only a certain sense of things that are operative of knowledge in the uh, visual uh, sensoriums of our contact, uh, contact to reality. There is so much more that is not in, in the uh, perception of that contact of reality. Wow. Woo. Let's keep going. The measurements. Oh, there are dozens and dozens of teachings that could be given about the measurements and the weights and what they mean in the Old Testament. And what the word yom, which is such a versatile word, can mean everything from weather to day to year to week to season. And being able to see into the, the word and being able to see it in the, the deeper deliverance of faith to go over that 30-fold understanding into the 60 and 100-fold understanding and to understand one day a thousand years of generation, Second Peter 3.10, combined with Psalms 105, so that one day is the lifespan of a human. Because that's what it says. When you put those Second Peter 3.10 and Psalms 105 together, it's talking about a day is a generation. This is also said in the second chapter of Genesis. So one day is the lifespan of a human. In the day that you eat of the trees of good and evil knowledge, you will die. Genesis 2.17. In the day you eat of it, yet when they ate of it, they didn't die in the sense that people were conducting their interpretation to mean. We teach that one day is a cubit. Two times two times two equals eight. Eight equals new day. Now, this is a reiteration of something we've already said, but we've got to get this repeated so people can have a basis for today's message. The eighth day is the day of circumcision. Circumcision in the one part, standing for circumcision in another part of the heart. So that the circumcision, which had to do with, with the private a member of the male, 
represented circumcision of a newborn. And that newborn represented a new generation. So the eighth day equals a generation day in the sense of the cooperation of those scriptures being meshed together in the divinely given sense that they were given. Wow. So, there is something far more than just an illusory condition. There is something far more than just body flesh that is visible. There are generated perceptions, but unless they are understood in the lattice of the crystalline structure of the universe, those generated perceptions are not part of the unfolding of the standing waves of invisibility. When you look at an egg, you may look at it and say, oh, I'll fix me some eggs. And you see that egg as, as food. But there is another sense that that egg is a life. Potential of a life. And so how a person looks at something from one perspective to another's perspective is the difference of the death of that egg or the life of that egg. Now the Bible says that we can't miss the truth because God has, has put a message in creation. And that if we will really take the time to read the message in creation that we can see physically round about us, we will be able to get a sense of things invisible. Wow. In Colossians 1.15, it talks about the image of the invisible God. And that the image of the invisible God was Jesus Christ. But was Jesus Christ as he represented the firstborn of all creations. And the Bible talks about the church of the firstborn in heaven. And so this unfold is a gigantic, colossal, incredible message of deep space. And it's glorious, and it's sensational, and it's pregnated with the glories upon the glories upon the glories of the holy, invisible I am, living God, the I am, the I am, the I am. Solomon writes about this person who stood behind the lattice and looked out through the little lattice squares. And we knew know that this was like a divine person. And we see this in Jesus who says, I have many things to share with you, to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. He had to always speak to them from behind the lattice. 
Wow. As we go on into this teaching today, we're going to get into the revelation of the one-third. And we're going to understand that the ultimate accumulative, transaccumulation of that knowledge incorporates the 30, the 60, the 100-fold. And if you take 30, 60, and 100, and you add them together, you get 190. If you put that into the term of degrees, then you are one half of the circle plus 10. The circle being at 360 degrees, and if we put that in relevant, relevancy to equal the day and the night, and we say half represents the day, half represents the night, then 180 degrees would represent the day and another 180 degrees would represent the night. If we subtract the 180 from the 30, 60, 100-fold equaling 190, we end up with 10 degrees or 10%, which the Bible describes in Isaiah as the sacred tenth who the Bible also tells us are a destinata, an election, who will not be among those who are going to be blinded. My bones burn with this word of God. And I want to launch this word of God and get it out there into mental space. And I want to have it take charge over the forces of darkness and eradicate that 180 degrees of darkness and fulfill the scripture that says, and in that place there is no night, for he is the light. Now I want to show you, I've got some important scriptures I want to read here. And I'm just going to read them one at a time, and it'll take a little time to do it. But we'll start in Psalms, in the book of Psalms. And this is an important part of Revelation. Psalms 34, 3. And take me just, you know, a little bit of time, because I have to turn to each one of these scriptures. In Psalms 34, 3, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord. When we think in terms of magnification, we know how important that is in the medical industry. We know how important that is for saving lives and discovering uh, um, diseases or broken bones. It used to be that they didn't have the availability of some of the various kinds of x-ray of the different kinds to be able to really, you know, give that message out of what was underneath the skin. We've got to get underneath the flesh body. We've got to get into where Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You know, there is a friend of mine. He goes on the internet by the name of 
Skipmick, S-K-I-P-M-I-C-H. And this morning I got a really super neat um, message that he passed on to me about a baby called Samuel. And this baby they discovered by using ultrasound and x-rays had a, a spinal problem. called spina bifida and it is so severe that if that child is born it it immediately within just maybe hours dies because of that condition of the spine and there is a doctor a doctor Bruner who has discovered a remarkable medical surgical procedure in which he goes into the pregnant woman's body and operates on that little baby and corrects that spinal problem before the child is born. And they showed a picture of this little hand of this little baby coming out of this this hole that the doctor had made to go into and operate on and they show a picture of that little hand and that baby was operated on and 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 later when it was given birth it was able to live because the operation was a success but there was a day that surgeons were blinded to those procedures, were blinded to even the fact that there was a child in there that almost the minute it was, it was born, it would die because it had a problem, a serious problem. Then an advance happened. Someone in their mind said it should be something we could do about this. And we would have to do it before the child is born. And who would have ever thought of going so far, of magnifying such an idea to go into what heretofore had been an invisible area of medical procedure. But this physician... Surgeon, Dr. Bruner, dared to do the unthinkable. Dared to do what had never been done before. Was that possibility always there? The all things are possible with God always there? Of course it was. Like that song, he was there all the time. And Paul says, have they heard this gospel? Absolutely, they've heard it. He's basically quoting Psalms 19. The sound has gone out throughout all of the universe. There is no place in the entire universe that the message has not been heard. It's in your subconscious. It's in your innermost being. And every person has this kingdom of God within them because every person born on the earth is born with the light called the kingdom of God within Wow.
Well, God is wanting to show us. Because in the early days of the apostles, God's people used to be called physicians. And that insight was lost. But God is going to restore that, that ideology. God is going to restore the years that the canker and caterpillar have eaten. God is going to restore and is doing it now. And as we look into that ancient past, we'll see all the future realities. And we'll be able to put into effect the power of reading the invisible Bible that has been lost in the infos of blindness. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Magnify the Lord with me. I was holding a revival in Texas. Oh, I don't know how many years ago it might have been. It might have been 40. And this preacher always would sing this song. Magnify the Lord with me. Blessed Lamb of Calvary, magnify the Lord with me. And that was so interesting because at that, at that revival, God put it on me to reveal to that church the throne ministry. And the throne ministry was where we would take chairs and line them up and, and put a little uh, uh, sticker uh, that that was large enough to read from out in the congregation, and it would name all the gifts of the Spirit. You know, the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, the gift of tongues, the journey of spirits, the gift of prophecy, etc. And I told the people, I says, now, there are people out there in the congregation who have never spoken in tongues, who have never interpreted tongues, who have never prophesied, who have never used gifts of healing. And God has given me a song, and when we sing this song, the Spirit of the Holy Ghost is going to come down over this congregation and going to begin to move on you. And when you feel that Holy Spirit churning and moving in your body, you are to get up out of your seats and come and take a seat and follow it and do it in decency and order. Now, before I put all this into, into gear, I went to the pastor of the church. And I told him what God had moved on me to do. But that I would not do it unless he was in agreement. Because I believe we are to always always subject, our, subject ourselves to the person who is the, who is the pastor uh, of a church. And not try to come in and, and overwhelm them uh, with just our notion or our what we feel is how God is moving. We have to do it in decency and in order. And when I told that to him, he says, well, that's really far out. But he said, God moves like that. And he was the one that would sing that song, Magnify the Lord with me. And he gave me the okay to do it. And we began to sing this song, 
Come, you kings of the earth, take your kingdoms. Let the holy God of heaven reign. You have thrones, you have power and dominion. Let the holy God of heaven reign. And there was a lot more to it. And there was a man who had never, ever spoken in tongues or used the Holy Spirit gift. And he was a person that attended that church, but just came and was mostly in silence and listened. And he got up. And when he got up and started walking toward the front, there was an electrification of the audience because they were familiar with this man. And they thought, what's happening here? Is he getting, walking up to the front to denounce this? What's going on? And he walked up, came up the stairs. He walked over to the, the gift of tongues. He started speaking in tongues. Then he moved over to the chair of interpretation, the throne of interpretation, interpreted it. Then he moved over to the throne of prophecy and started prophesying. And the whole church came down under the power of the Holy Spirit as they begin to see this awesome move of God fulfilling his word as the Holy Spirit just moved and people trembled under the power of the living God, the almighty invisible God I am. Magnify the Lord with me. Turn with me to the book of Job. That's prior to the book of Psalms. Job 36. And Job 36, of course, is getting really, really close to that Job 38. That's the incredible revelation about the sons of God. But anyway, let's get on to Job 36, verse 24. <clears throat> but first, I'll, I'll read verse 23. Uh, pardon me. First, I'll read verse 3. Job 36, verse 3. I will fetch my knowledge from afar and will ascribe righteousness to my maker. This is the message for you today. That afarness is not that there is a distance, but that afarness is a, a separation. A separation caused by your way of thinking, your lack of responding, your lack of seeking, a separation that is in you that is a fleshly mode. Now, God loves you in spite of your mortalness. So don't ever get to thinking that you are so unholy, so evil, that, that God's Spirit cannot justify you and, and make you an armored soldier of God. You just got to get it into your heart that you will fetch that knowledge from afar in spite of those separations, in spite of those problems, that you are going to seek after that knowledge of God and ascribe righteousness unto God. Now let's look at verse 24. Remember that thou, remember that thou magnify his work. 
which men hold. That's my message to you today. Do not forget to remember to call upon the Holy Spirit that Jesus said will bring a remembrance of those things from the ancient times, from the past, from the beyond the beyond will, will restore those ancient things to you and will lead you and guide you into all truth. Remember that thou magnify his work <clears throat> which men behold. Every man may see it. Wow. Man may hold it afar off. There's something awesome about this word of God. It's so awesome. We are being told that the work of God, which people are looking at, but they're not being able to see the whole word of God, they're not. They're they're blinded to the, to the the deep word. They're blinded to a, a manifest realization because they have a veil over them, a covering, which the Bible says only Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit can eradicate that that state of blindness by removing that veil. And there's a work of God that we are to magnify. In fact, it's so much an example of the more rather than of the less that it just calls that work, work that needs to be magnified that thou magnify his, God's work, which men behold... But obviously, they're not getting into it, and that's why it has to be magnified so that men can really see what it really is. Magnify the Lord with me, that blessed Lamb of Calvary. That's what God wants you to do today. That's what God wants you to listen to this message. He wants you to hear this message and magnify the Lord. Wow. Now turn to Isaiah 42. And this, this is such an important scripture I'm going to give you. As you will see as I get into the teaching. How important that this really is. Isaiah 42. Okay. And we're going to be looking at, uh, at verse 21. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. You have to understand something, people. When people are out there looking at the Old Testament and the law, that it's not honorable. The Bible tells us, as we will get into those scriptures later also, Lord willing, that the letter kills. It's only the Spirit that gives life. And so, the... The law is physically represented. It's the letter of the law. It kills. But for the only way for it to come into its reality is by the Spirit, which is invisible. 
So the Bible says that the law is not honorable. But he says, if you magnify it, if you magnify it so that you can start seeing what was not visible, so that you can start seeing the invisible, then he says it will become honorable. And Jesus says, I came not to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And that is so important to understand that fulfilling is part of magnification. You've got to magnify the Lord. You've got to magnify His works. You've got to magnify the law. And until you do, the word that is there is much embroiled in the flesh. I just read it. Come on. Just read it. When you read in the Old Testament, you'll find more warring, more killing. You'll find even God's people doing horrible things. Like taking 10,000 people and pushing them off the cliffs at the Rock of Selah to watch their bodies hit the stones and, and pierce and break and smash and destroy them in a horrible way. Or march them as the Bible teaches that they did. 10,000 persons. An army of people with, with these special kind of, of horse axes that could cut a limb off a horse. And walk the people through the, the center of those men. And if they dared stop or, or try to turn around, they, would, they were hacked right then. And forced them to go through the fire kilns. But you see all this murder, all this killing. And it goes on in the world today. But when you read it, there's terror. When you read it, there's evil. We do not say that there are not good things in between. But even some of the, of the top people that are named to be spiritual, named to be, you know, in the heart of God, they commit incredulous things. They're not honorable, ladies and gentlemen. Those things are not honoring God. They're not honorable. And the Bible says the only way that you can really see what the message is that is there, besides that, that non-honorable episode of episodes, is to magnify the law. And when you magnify the law, you begin to discover something that was invisible. Because the spirit, which is invisible, begins to make it life and begins to bring out the real word that has been hidden and embedded and needs to be unfolded and magnified into manifest realization, manifest meaning to bring forth those things that are hidden to make them known. Oh, mark that scripture down, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah 42, verse 21. Blessed be the name of God. Turn with me to Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38, 19 through 23. 
For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the, of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands. And upon the many people that are with him. And overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus. Will I magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am the Lord. Wow. In the revelation of all this word people have read this and all that they have been able to see out of it is the angel of death and destruction. But if the people were all destroyed to the extent that this scripture shows them to all be destroyed, then there would be no people left to give the revelation of the magnification of the word to. So there obviously is a deeper meaning, an additional meaning, and a, a spread of that revelation in such a way that the main guts of the meaning is that God has to allow severe things to happen to people to shock them to stir them, to alienate them to the ways of the world so that suddenly they can have a lattice change and begin to look to God. And when they begin to call upon His name and seek the Holy Spirit, then the Bible tells us that beautiful things happen. And God begins to magnify Himself to be known in the eyes. Why in the eyes? Because they're blind. They can't see. They, can, they don't know the inner sanctum of God. But God wants them to know it. And so he's going to magnify himself so that they can be known in their eyes as to the reality and the glory. And it's going to be a thing that's going to happen all over to many people and to many nations. And they shall know, the, know that I am the Lord. And how's that going to happen? By the magnification. And how's that going to happen? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God is manifesting this word. God has raised up this manifester ministry. 
I started preaching when I was seven, pastored First Church when I was 17, went to 23 years of schooling. But the only thing that really brought me into the revelation was none of those things. But it was the spirit to spirit knowing of God that lifted me out of the pit of darkness. When the angel came to me when I was 12 years old, caused me to float up above my bed and to go out through the wall and the window of my house and dematerialize as I did that and walked with the angel and he showed me this, this symbolic aspect of the signs of the times. When later the angel Gabriel appeared and put into my brain the holy manifest. And I began to receive these things that were just so outstanding and so beyond anything I had ever heard in any of the churches I attended. And I was really into the church doctrines. I was really into believing that the end of the world was due any day, that Jesus was coming any day. I was into that same ritual of thought. And God began to show me this thing of the angels, of the Ophanim, of the fallen angels. And when I first received it, I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no scripture for that. And the Lord said, yes, there is. There's lots of scripture. You just haven't been able to see it. I said, well, Lord, I've read the Bible many times. How could I not have seen it? He said, it's invisible to you. The only the Spirit can open up the Word so that you can see within the Word the deeper Word. And God began to reveal the Holy Manifest. And I have written this book, big, thick book called The Holy Manifest. And one day, I'll be able to get that published and get that out. One day, the Peace Bible will get published and I'll be able to get it out. Someone might say, well, how come it's taking so long? You know, God bless you for being so interested. But <laughs> you just have to understand that when they even translate a new Bible, they often take as long as 25 years and that's with the whole group of top professional scholars working on it. When one person is mostly doing it by himself, among all the other things that that person does, it's very difficult, almost impossible, to give an exact time. Put on top of that financial situation of that person. I used to be able to have a scribe I paid him every week. It was, you know, not a big salary for what he was really worth. I had other people working for me. I had a business. I could afford to pay them. Even after the business, I found a way to pay people. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm just a human, and I can only do so much. And the one thing that I made my mind up was I would not use this broadcast except as the Spirit put me on it to do it, to get into the money thing. 
when I do Gentile on people, and we've had incredible healings, and people say, I want to make a donation. I said, no, no. I don't accept any donations from anybody who have been healed by Gentile generative touch. I don't accept it because I don't want to make that wonderful gift of God that was given freely to me to be something that's tied into money. I feel a lot that same way about the Holy Manifest. But sometimes you can't get the field plowed without a plow. You can't get the plow moved without a body behind it, pushing it. Blessed be the name of God. Thank you, Jesus. I would be ashamed to tell you the money that comes in. I've had people think that I have huge amounts of money coming in. Well, let me tell you this. It's a shameful thing to say. But it's a blessed, a blessed thing at the same time. But I have less than $1,200 a month coming in from, from everything that comes in that I have coming in, which is mostly all comes in uh, from... from uh, you know, the little uh, thing we have on, on the um, uh, manifester uh, where people can make a donation. And I'm not in business anymore. I'm retired. And my wife and I both have a combination of, of money that we get. And I don't know how I'm getting into this subject, but I guess it's God's well of about $1,200 also a month that we get from the pension. I didn't start taking the pension until I was 72 because I was against even taking a pension. But I finally decided, well, I better have something. Now, there have been some people. There have been some people that have given like $10,000. I think there's been three people and that is the kind of money that has helped us to keep going. There's been some other people that have given a thousand here and a thousand there. And that has helped us to keep going. But our average income per, per month, you know, that we get from PayPal is only, is less than 1200 a month. And, and we've had to really be careful with those lump sums. Uh, and, and, and when you're paying someone a thousand a week as a scribe, it doesn't, it doesn't last very long. $10,000 don't last very long when you're paying someone $1,000 a week. Now, I only tell you that. I don't want anybody out there who's been faithful giving. I don't, I'm not asking for you to give another dime. I prefer you even didn't give it. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for you to understand that I need lots of time and I need lots of prayer. And maybe God needs to magnify the truth as I have magnified it to you today. I have had people offer me money, fairly good sums, and I have turned down because I didn't feel that it was of God to take it. And you blame that on me, put me down, that's okay. I'm used to being walked on. I love you anyway. On with my message.
Okay. Magnify. Magnify this wonderful revelation is what God is speaking to us. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Woo! Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself. God hasn't even been sanctified in the minds of the people. That is still a work that has to be done. He's got to be sanctified in the minds of the people. He's got to be magnified in the minds of the people to eradicate that blindness and to remove those detour signs. <laughs> oh, my Lord. My little detour there on that subject put some phlegm in some people's throats. I can feel that. <laughs> Turn with me to Daniel 11. Now, this is a little different approach on this subject of being magnified. But let's talk about another person who, of course, wants to copy God. Anything that God is saying needs to be done, he wants it to be done. And he's actually pretty good. I don't know if about pretty good, but pretty uh, um, successful, I should say. Pretty successful at, at, at being able to, to uh, cause uh, you know, some of these things to happen. Uh, Daniel eleven thirty six through 37. Okay, here's what it says. Uh, what did I do? Oh, I'm in the wrong book. <laughs> I'm into Ezekiel. I'll need to get into Daniel. So here I go over to Daniel real fast to 1136. And this is talking about some of these different rulers that shall, in the times of the times, will come into, into operation. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. And I think that's talking about the, the indignation being the abomination that make it desolate, for one thing. For that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women. Oh, he's going to be different, all right. Nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. The forces dark are involved in this magnification program. And they're magnifying it in the evil sense. And, and, and you can see that there's a success story there on the evil side of the coin because there is so much evil of every filthy thought that can even be imagined that has been magnified in people's minds. And that's the magnification that, that Satan is doing. But there's coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, that there's going to be a magnification of, of God's work. Blessed be the name of God. Praise the name of God. Woof. Wow. There is so much. There is so much. I'm just a little bit concerned if I don't leave part of this magnification message for later, I'm going to not be able to get into some other important parts here. You know, the search for the double image of the Word of God reveals, and if you read Genesis 32, 1 through 2, it talks about the Mahanaim. And the Mahanaim is, if you look up the word, it means 
two camps of angels. In other words, a double image. Now, in connection with Genesis um, 31, 13, uh, which is, this is talking about, you know, this, this experience that, uh, well, we, we should probably just, we should probably just go back and, and touch on it because it's such an important subject. So I'll go back to Genesis 32 and uh, we'll read that, this one part, Genesis 32 and uh, verse 1 and 2. Okay, this is, a, this is about the experience of Jacob. Okay, verse uh, chapter 32, 1 and 2. And it says, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. M-A-H-A-N-A-I-M. Mahanaim. Now, if it was pronounced, you know, by someone in Hebrew, Mahanam is how they would say it. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm not trying to be that Hebraic. And the connection to this, of this uh, Mahanaim, is um, very, very important because it goes back, uh, you know, into the scripture, like of 3113, uh, when... Um, uh, you know, God uh, revealed himself to uh, Jacob. And, uh, and um, uh, you know, Jacob had a, had a dream. And, uh, and uh, um, God rev uh, reveals himself. And in the 13th verse of um, chapter 31, he says, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar. Now, at the time... There was no city or a really true house called Bethel. And you got the word L-E-L, -E -L, which is a word for God, and Beth is the word for house. So it means the house of God, but it is specifically understood to mean, the God of Bethel is specifically understood to mean the Father's house, especially if you correlate that in the... Um, the Hebrew understanding of how that term was referred to. And of course, the thing with the Father's house is very important because in the 14th chapter of the book of, of John, Jesus says, you know, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. What's this guy coming up with? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he starts telling us about a Bethel, a Bethel that's not even located on the earth, called the Father's House, and it being a part of many mansions, which many mansions, by the way, is an astronomer term, or astronomy term. And we're not talking astrology. Astronomy is not astrology. And he says, where thou anointest the pillar, and thou vowest unto me. And so he is referring back to that experience that he had uh, where um, in uh, chapter 28, 12, he saw this ladder and he saw angels ascending and descending. And so there was the, the group that was descending, the group that was ascending. So there were two different kinds, a double reality there. And this ties into the Mahanaim. 
the double camps, the two camps of the angels. And we have the ascending, which we will call them the greater image, and the descending, which we will call the lesser image. Yet we understand that when the strike of time equates circumstantial differentiations, that sometimes the ascending angels can become the lesser image, or pardon me, the ascending angels can become the lesser image, and the descending angels become the greater image. Uh, When such scriptures are fulfilled, as it mentions in Psalms and the New Testament, in which Jesus descended down into into the depths of perdition, and and he freed those, as it describes in in Peter, who were sometimes disobedient uh, in the days of the flood, in the days of Noah, and he met in the spirit with those those spirits that were down there in prison, and so there are exceptions in which a different aspect of the ascending and descending groups are used. When one moves into one corridor of its use, uh, it can be a lesser. Or if you move into another corridor and it's being used in a, in a, a special spiritual way, it can become the, the, the greater. Now, as one reconciles such information, then a person must reposition the emphasis of the shadows and frame lines of the lesser image before the greater image will appear. When you are looking at a lesser image and it dominates your life and it is everything of your mind and everything of your visual and everything of your thought patterns, you have got to empty out the old bottle to make room for new information to come in. And so in that sense, you have to reposition so that those shadows and frame lines of the lesser image are diminished so that a greater image can appear in you. Now, this again is about the double image of the Word of God. And there is so much that we can preach about that and teach about that. We've covered considerable, but haven't begun to dig up the root system that that tells even more of the story. And so, when we get into this double image of God, we begin to, and, and we're looking at the Word of God. And we've got the 30-fold revelation, which we can apply to that in the book of Revelations that talks about the book of little, the little book, <coughs> or as the manifest calls it, the book of little things. And it's written on the, the front and the back of the cover. And we call this the 30-fold surface Word of God. Now, you can't get in to the inside of the book because there's seven seals. And they already have tried to find some man upon the whole earth, past, present, future, that could open that book. And there was no other name given among men whereby a person could be saved and redeemed and and could get into that interior book other than the name of Yahweh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. And so there's seven 
seals. You can read the outside of the book in the front and back, but it's not honorable. You're not going to understand the work that it really is until those seals are removed. And every one of those seals is a special revelation and a special act. And when that is opened by the lion of the tribe of Judah, and there's a special application of that in the opening of that book, then you will get into the 60 and the hundredfold part. Now, the 60 and the hundredfold part, which is written within the book, in the inner centrum of the book, is a consistency of part one and part two, which collectively represent one inner centrum of the invisible book, which may be called the invisible Bible. This is true even though the said 30-fold is absent of lost books, lost words, and mistranslated texts. Nevertheless, whatever parts of the 30-fold book that is lost and mistranslated is preserved in whole in the preamble of the inner centrum of the invisible book, or as that may be said, the invisible Bible. Always remember as you journey through this life that more often than not, and this is direct from the Holy Manifest I received from Gabriel, what you see is not what is. What you see is what is not. Now, for instance, comprehensively, the tablets of the ten words of the Word of God, which people call the Ten Commandments, were first written by the finger of God in the blessings of love and were to be placed as such in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there was more than one covenant, believe me. There was one covenant, Ark of the Covenant, that was built by a, a special chosen artisan. And then there was a time on during the second uh, 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 example of, of the new tablets that were to be made after the first were destroyed by Moses when the Lord told him to go up and 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 to make an ark and he, he made an ark of the covenant Moses himself made one so there's a lot on that and I've done the teaching on that and I'm sure you can look it up on my blogs uh, and, and find it and so when we begin to understand this thing about this inter this inner centrum, centrum this word that is that is a preserved whole of manifest reality uh and we begin to understand that um the sinful actions of ex of the exodus people caused anger to move upon Moses and he broke the tablets that had been written by the finger of God, which had the blessings on them and was about the love of God. Although these tablets were written in the same likeness as the tables of stone and the compilation of the words, the words, although the same in the whole of the compilation, 
of the first group of the ten words, which is not just ten words, was inverted from the blessings to the curse. So that what became visual then was the curse words of which the Bible says the law killeth. And that's what became, and only there was two exceptions, which was the first and second uh, uh, part of, the, of, the, of that revelation of the, of the words or the commandments as you want to call it, which are about love. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Which was allowed out of mercy. So, those words were there all the time. When the blessings was there, the curses were beneath them, but not visible. When the blessing, when the curses became visible, the blessings were there all the time, but not visible. So, in that sense, nothing was changed except there was inverted. And that's why the change of, of the ark, and that's why some of these things that are so mysterious and not totally understood. So then the blessings, blessings written on the first set of stones went into a different view position and became invisible. The two exceptions, as I said, being the first and second love blessing. However, the curses went into the outer cover level of the word that kills. And so what we are actually talking about is the view position was changed. And so when we talk about repositioning your whole emphasis of vision, that is what we're talking about in order to come into this regenerative word and come into this magnification of the word by being able to come into this viewpoint that is a special dimension inset that we can come into by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. When you pick up the letter of the law that kills, and you can read that in 2 Corinthians 3.6, what you see is not the manifold blessings of God, but rather the stories of humans living in an earth world of lost memories. To verify that thing on lost memories, compare Psalms 88.12 that talks about the land of forgetfulness. Now in case you get confused as to what that really means, let's look at, 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 uh, uh, at, at uh, John. And um, just a moment here and let me get it real fast. And um, we're looking at John 14. And this is very, very, very interesting. And uh, as we look at uh, verse 4, it says, And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Now he says, I'm going to go away in verse 3, and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you. And where I am, there that where, that where I am you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether you go, you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the, to the Father but by me, me. Wow. And go to verse 26. 
And Jesus continues speaking, but I'm skipping some scriptures because we have to save time. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now the disciples did not remember and did not know what Jesus was talking about when he says, you know this. They, and, and Thomas says, no, we don't. And Jesus says, well, you know me, and I'm the way. You see this physically. But he was trying to say, but what you don't understand is that my Holy Spirit is something of another kind of vision. <coughs> it isn't distinct in the sense that it's different of its holy connection to God. But it is distinct in the sense that it includes the whole mystery of God. And so, God is wanting us to be able to reconcile these teachings and to be able to understand how that when you pick up the letter of the law, it will do just exactly what's happening out in the church world today. There's bitterness. There's fightings. <coughs> there's competition. There's delusion. There's doubt. And among it is spread little blessings of hope. But God is wanting to magnify the Bible. He's wanting to magnify the invisible Bible. Now, I've only begun this message of the invisible Bible. And I will continue it next week. Because it is surely going to be one of the sensational high revelations that I've ever delivered. It's almost like when we look at the word, go you into all the world, and everybody reads that and says, oh, go into all the earth. As soon as we get this done, we'll have finished and the end will be the end. And then you discover that, well, the way it was really written in the Bible means go ye into all the universe. Go ye into all the universe. And the Bible says in Isaiah 51, you'll plant the heavens. You'll plant them. And in Revelations it says, and this will be considered before the people that live under the earth, cities beneath the earth, cities above the earth, and people that live in heaven, the heavens. God is making known this invisible Bible. You must not miss this series. Of Next week will be 19. We'll continue this invisible Bible. And it is so sensational. It practically leaves hot spots on the pages that I've made my notes.
Let me pray for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. May God's reach magnify itself within your body. May His Spirit of love be magnified. May His mercy be magnified. May His blessings be magnified. May His healing be magnified. May His grace be magnified. In the name of the Father and Holy Spirit, I come against the forces of darkness. I adjure you, Satans. I adjure you by the name of God that these people who are followers of this ministry, thou shalt loose your hold this moment. Thou shalt loose yourself from them in the name of Jesus Christ. For if you shall refuse to do this, I will call upon God to bind you for a thousand generations in space. Hearken to this word in the name of Jesus Christ. For it has been spoken of the Spirit of God. May you be healed in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Amen.